One of the most popular questions I get is, how do I test my web application? Um, but I am starting a project and I'm thinking about this of like, how do I make sure it's working right? So how do I, how do I start testing with Django and what do I need to think about? This episode is sponsored by Porkbun, a refreshingly different domain name registrar with over 500 domain extensions available. Porkbun offers everything from .com and .net to .app, .tech, and .dev. Every Porkbun domain comes with lots of freebies like SSL certificates, who is privacy, URL forwarding, and hosting trials, all backed by five-year support, 365 days a year. For tech folks, it gets even more exciting. They've even launched a new AI-generated search tool using ChatGPT that is leading the change in how people search for domain names. To celebrate the fifth anniversary of .app, Porkbun is offering a .app or .dev domain name for free to Testnicode listeners. To get your .app or .dev domain name for free, visit porkbun.com slash testnicode or click the link in the show notes. Thank you, Porkbun, for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to Test and Code. Hi, welcome to a cross episode of Django Chat and Test and Code. This is Will Vincent joined by Carlton Gibson. Hi, Carlton. Hello, Will. And we have Brian Ockin with us, the host of Test and Code. Uh, hi, Brian. <laughs> Hello. Um, thanks for setting this up. So yeah, so we're trying something new. We. We want we both want to talk to each other, and we both have podcasts, so we decided to uh, do a joint podcast and talk about testing PyCon, Django, and and do it together and see how it goes. For our listeners who may not know, you are the author of a book on PyTest, and this is a testing code podcast, so that's sort of like the one sentence description, right? Like we want to talk about specifically testing and Python today with you on our on our side of the fence. So I just got back from PyCon and you were um you were about to tell me before I, I stopped you when we started recording. So your your podcast started somehow with a, a hallway track. I run a site called learnjango.com and have some books teaching Django. Carlton just finished five years as a Django fellow, so one of two people paid to actually work on Django and do the releases. So that's kind of the, the quick and dirty on us. But we met at uh DjangoCon two thousand eighteen in San Diego, which was my first Django event. My first tech conference, real tech conference, to be honest, too, and such a great time. And I was introduced to the concept of the hallway track because, of course, I was like, I'm going to see all the talks in person. That's what you do. And then I realized all the poobahs were not in the talks at all. And I was like, that's a little rude. But then I realized there's this, ha this hallway track thing and all these great conversations, you know, outside of the, the main event. And so this podcast came around as an idea of trying to mimic that and share it with others because I came away saying, wow, like I had no idea, you know, how great the community was and all, all these things I learned. And is there some way to share that with others? And that oh, was nice on my side, the genesis. And then I asked Carlton um, if he would be my first guest. And he said, how about co-host? And here we are. So um, it was interesting that you bring that up because sometimes it's uh, awkward and to get started to a podcast started, you get somebody on the podcast and you, and at first you want to like talk about what you're going to talk about. And then you, you know, to try to get started, but in the hallway track, you can run into somebody and say, 
oh hey I, you know cool hey good to meet you um tell me what projects you're working on and you can just start running and, and you get a 15 minute conversation in with no stress at all so but there is still a little tension you know because we're all as programmers often we're introverted and you know there's still that sort of nervousness of approaching people sometimes it, the fir- i remember the first time i was trying to impress everybody i'm like okay i have to like talk about a project <laughs> that sounds cool carlton what's uh is that your story too are you you're sticking with it or did i make all that up or yeah what was yeah, your no, side no, no. of the <laughs> of our well, engagement like- you know Will gave an awesome talk on um, uh, authentication in the Django REST framework because it's quite complex and, you know, there's a token auth and, you know, JWTs and session auth and all these different options. He gave a really good talk. And so, you know, I went to his talk um, and uh, we we started speaking after that. And yeah, and then sometime later, Will said, oh, I'm thinking about doing a podcast. And I was like, well, that sounds really cool. But my favorite podcasts are ones where people kind of chat. It's very difficult, a solo person just by themselves. And so... You know, I was like, why don't we have, you know, we'll, we'll have this name, I think. You may even had the domain Django Chat or something. I was like, that's perfect. Let's just chat about Django. So nice. that was it. And so, so episode later. Yes, because you normally do this one. It's just you, right? Like, I know you and Michael um, Kennedy have, um, or how does that all work? Your, your podcast network, because you have a couple. Ooh, right? a podcast Mark, network. Bites. I guess we do have a network. Uh, right. You each have your, you each you have your own and then you do one together. Isn't that Yeah. Is so, that correct? Um, he and I were kicking around the idea individually before we even met of doing podcasting way back when. And so he started, um, we started, I started testing code, but it started out as the Python test podcast. And I just got tired of saying that, um, testing code is easier. Uh, although I've been, I've had also people tell me that they, they thought the podcast was testing code, uh, instead of test and code. So I've been a little bit, uh, conscious lately to try to enunciate. So it's test and code. Um, but anyway, the, and the testing is first because testing should be first. Uh, Oh, we can talk about that. (laughs) Uh, Michael started, uh, talk Python to me around the same time, but both of us, I think individually made a conscious choice to support each other, uh, promote each other's podcast and everything. Um, you know, two, two social networks, uh, have a larger audience than one. We were doing the, our individual thing for maybe a year. Um, I can't remember the exact time frame, but he contacted me and said, "Hey, it, it'd be kind of fun if we did a podcast together." Um, and uh, he, and it, uh, of a news format sort of thing of like a few news items uh, every week. So we just we tried it, and it and I love the the I love the format. It's a it's a really fun thing to be able to. We talk about like four four to six topics with six if we have a, a guest host on but everybody picks a couple topics to talk about it it could be any anything um uh, anything python related usually <laughs> um or sometimes mostly we thought it'd be news most of the time but sometimes it's just a cool project that we haven't covered yet and it could be a, a, an existing older project and um and a lot of people have given us feedback that they just uh they just constantly have like a, a list of things they want to try out because of our podcast, which is nice. But the, the having another co-host gets you to do it every week. There's no way I'd be doing this if it was just me still. I mean, it's so much easier with a co-host to just sometimes you're like, I'm out of it this week. Like you need to do the lifting mm-hmm. or, hey, like, like Carlton's been great about we started off weekly and then we've been going every other week and we take breaks sometimes because kind of the key thing is not to burn ourselves out and we 
we have yeah. thousands of listeners, but it's not like our it's not a money maker for us. So we you know we want to stay sane. And at this point, for me, it's frankly a chance to talk to interesting people and like have an organized chat with Carlton. <laughs> like you know everything else is secondary. Like you know I guess you know marketing our stuff a bit and all the rest, but it's really just nice to talk shop since you know we're all sitting in our own little caves somewhere you know we're not like i'm not overwhelmed with social stimulation with work oh that's right? a that's a good point the the being willing to talk with somebody is like or having being being okay with asking somebody to talk with you is something that a podcast gives you that's really pretty cool because i i've reached out to people that i would have never just reached out in person and said hey you don't know me but uh, can we talk for like an hour? Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, can I but, yeah. An hour of your massively valuable time. Can I just have that, please? Yeah, Carlton, you just got done being a Django fellow, and I—I yes. I guess I'm not—I'm yes. not involved. <laughs> the with, sigh, the sigh. <laughs> I'm not involved with Django enough yet. I do a little Django, but I don't know what a fellow is. Okay, so um, Django is Django just appears and updates itself, and yeah, right, that's well, it's it's quite a big project, um, and it's it's got a lot of history, and um, it just give you an idea on the the Django issue tracker. There's um, three to five new trick tickets opened every single day, so there's like a thousand plus tickets every year, and you know and that's gone on years and years on years. Um, the security reports that come in pretty much every week and they need triaging, they need looking at, they need resolving. We do. So in 2022 with the security team, there were 10 CVEs handled through Django security program, uh, processes reports. For instance, there's you know a constant stream of pull requests that need to be dealt with. There's releases monthly, there's major releases every eight months, there's, you know, there's community handling that needs doing. And it turns out that on a project the size of Django's, it literally cannot be done just on volunteer effort alone. And so how long ago now? I don't know, maybe eight years ago, nine years ago, there was the, um, they created the Django Fellowship Program where people were contracted, um, initially Tim Graham, and then I came, I joined five years ago, Marish Feliciak four years ago, and Natalia, whose surname I don't know, but really should now, um, has just started as the new fellow now. And that, that um, having a contractor, having someone who's people who are paid means that the tickets get triaged, means that the pull requests get reviewed, means that the releases go out you know, on time every month, means that the security patches are done. Um, and I honestly believe that the fellowship program is sort of the reason why Django has been able to survive and not just, like, and didn't die, essentially. That It got to that kind of um, fruition of a, an open source project where the original contributors started to fade away. And why did Django not just collapse in on itself and, and and fade away well because of the fellowship program and it's i honestly believe it's one of the um you know the reasons why django is sustainable and reliable and will continue now till probably the heat death of the universe um and, then, and, how, and python's you know, adopting just, it now so, too yeah, right yeah good point i was just going to say that was that the, the the python developing residence program that they've now got is directly inspired by the success of the django fellowship program Okay, but apparently we just didn't like the name Fellow. Um, and... Well, there's already Python Fellows, so you can be a PSF, um, PSF oh, right. Fellow. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is Naming is of, hard, right? Yeah, so there's a community award um, for contributions to Python, which is the PSF Fellow. Ships yeah. and they're they're awarded quarterly, I believe. And there's so Django has a Django the Django Software Foundation, and if you're an individual member of the Django Software Foundation, that's the equivalent community award in the in the Django community. Okay. Um, 
Nice. So that's everything I know. And how many fellows are there at a time? And well, currently there's two, and there were two. There was originally one until I came um, started. I think there might have been the original pilot. There might have been an overlap with it. Um, Berker did it for okay. eight, a few months. Yeah, 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 for a little while. I don't know the, the very dark history that I'd need to um, ask others. Um, but Tim Graham did it for four years by himself, which was amazing. He did it full time four years by himself. I've always said. So when Tim stepped down, um, you know. There was some conversation, well, Carlton, do you want to carry on? Do you want to go full-time? So I did it part-time for five years. I said I didn't really want to do it full-time, and I didn't want to be the only fellow because it's really hard. Like, you're, you're, on, the, you're on the sort of front edge of the fire hose, you know. It's a, it's a really big uh-huh. um, jet of traffic that comes at you. And a lot of it, you have to say, sorry, this isn't a valid um, request or you know we're not going to add this you have to close a lot of tickets as won't fix and people get very upset when their idea is rejected and some, sometimes you get it on the nose from, you know people aren't necessarily meaning to take it out on you but they do so one um, of the, and so to have some support is important one of the things that python has is this is well we used to have the bdfl and now we have the steering council does mm-hmm. Django have a similar sort of idea yeah, so there is a technical board, which w- w- was called technical board. It's now called the Steering Council. There's going to be elections for the new the new version of that um, coming up for the 5.x series now. But um, if if in Django we try and work by consensus, so normally there's a mailing list or the the forum where there's a discussion. And if there's not a clear consensus, then it can be you can we can ask the Steering Council to have a vote and and say what the way it should be. That doesn't happen very often. We're quite good at you know, reach trying to accommodate and reaching some consensus, but sometimes it does have to go to the story steering council and they have to just make a decision. Well, if you're a fellow though, like, can you do you have enough power to just say, um, "Wow, I want this cool new feature. I just want to put it in." No. Um, when if, you're leaving, you can, right, Carlton? You slipped a couple in. <laughs> <laughs> I I may have burnt some social capital getting some things through quickly that needed to be done. But, what was um, it? There was one in particular. There was something that. You know, was one of those that this isn't controversial. That's why I'm mentioning it. There was, there was I, something I have no in the last. Idea. I've not. I have no idea. I don't remember. I've, I've blanked it all. It's repressed. Okay. No comment. I'm, no I'm, comment. On, I'm on official detox. So I stopped like two weeks ago. So I think I'm in week three of stopping. And I, I and until so the the DjangoCon Europe is coming up at the end of May. And I've said I'm not going to look at Django Django, and I'm not going to look at track unless you know if someone CCs me or mentions yeah. me, then that's fine. But I'm not just going to watch the notification because five years of every comment, every commit, every pull request, every ticket, every uh, you just need to step away and cleanse the the habit of checking that. So I don't really know what's going on at the moment, which is lovely. Uh, well. I was just going to add, Brian. So Django's history: there were there were two BDFLs who stepped down actually before Guido did. Um, but like Python, Django was set up as a nonprofit. So okay. the fact that it's a nonprofit is why there are some volunteers who run a board. We could talk about that. I just got off. I just also left. I I spent the last three years as treasurer on the board, running the money. So, um, but that's what funds the fellowship program, and that's kind of how it's very community based which generally works well. It means we go a little slower, but there's a, there's a churn of people. So when someone gets burned out, like, you know, not burned out, but five years, Carlton needed a break. Like as treasurer, three years, I needed a break. Um, there's other people there. And, you know, we're still involved in the system. Like Carlton just released a, a Django Skunk Works project, you know, last week. So um, there's a recycling that keeps it fresh. Uh, well, one of the things we wanted to... <clears throat> 
wanted to talk about was testing a little bit. And I'm really happy that you guys are here because I get a lot of questions about it. Since I run uh, testing code, wrote a book on testing, one of the most popular questions I get is, how do I test my web application? Um, okay. And uh, I'm not a professional web developer. I'm a professional embedded software engineer. So um, uh, not my wheelhouse, really. But I, uh, so my, my deflectiveness sometimes is just you run through the API instead of the, uh, the front end then. But that's not really, that's not really fair. Um, maybe, but um, but Django's and I, uh, I was the first time I interviewed you. I didn't have enough experience with Django to to ask decent questions. Also, so there was technical. I think same for me. <laughs> um, I don't even want to look at my responses. Yeah. So, but uh, but I have a. Um, I'm not saying I'm a Django expert yet. I'm still learning Django. I'm in the. I'm, I'm a Django newbie. Um, but I am starting a project and I'm thinking about this of like, how do I make sure it's working right? So I'm really glad. Uh, I don't know how to start this conversation other than how do I, how do I start testing with Django and what do I need to think about? Yeah, I want Carlton to take that, but I want to just ask you, are you, so as someone who's, you know, you know how to program, you're newish to Django. Are you using a starter project? Have you like, how are you starting? Are you like, cause I have, I'm yes. just. Yes, I'll leave you with that. What what are your what's the process for someone like you who wants to start Django and is, wants to know how to do it properly? Well, okay. I'm not sure. So I start I did, I did a like a starting Django and I started the the tutorial and the tutorials I I read slow and I'm very impatient. So I I'm, I'm like there's going to be a long time I, to 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 it reminded me of my first uh, first couple months at Hewlett Packard when I when I first started out. So I was a compu- pure computer science person. I got hired uh, to do. Um, I was wor- working on uh, satellite testing at first, um, but then uh, quickly moved into oscilloscopes. So doing scopes, no spectrum analyzers. And one of the the one of my managers said, um, "You really under- should understand electrical engineering." Um, and gave me this big Horowitz book, this this huge gray book of of, and I'm starting like learning DC circuits and stuff. But I'm working with microwaves, and I'm like, there's gonna be, it's gonna be so long before we get to microwaves. I'll just rather, I'll just rather, the, I'll cheat. And so what I did was I learned the, I, I I was just nice to people at work and learned the experts in the RF stuff, and I learned enough electrical engineering to talk to the electrical engineers and so i kind of feel like that with django i'm like who do i need to find some experts in django and i'll just learn how to talk to them and that will be good um so i have a start i found a starter project uh there was a and i don't remember the name but somebody that knows what they're doing and uh, i'm starting with there you're killing me can you tell stuff. me who it was <laughs> well I'll, I'll 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 speak out loud so there's the big one is there's one called Cookie Cutter Django, um, which that's probably the default that people find. And then there's a host of slightly smaller ones. I run one of them. That's why I was sort of curious if you came across it. But there's, uh, I think there's a gap in terms of people who are experienced programmers who want scaffolding to kind of jump in. Um, there is, there's only one really paid starter project for Django, um, SAS Pegasus that Corey Zhu runs, which is fantastic. So okay. they're the sort of... Market question is: Is there room for more, um, or 
uh, you know, he's he's I think he's doing that pretty much full time. Um, sorry, I'm just I'm just I'm getting free market research from you because you know Django developers, all of us after some period of time have our own personal starter project, just like all the consultant you know the agencies have their own, and so it's it's one of these standard you know you're having a pint and you're like you know what if I charge for my starter project like how much work could it be you know uh, and it, you know it's a it's the code is the least of it. Well, the answer that, that's kind of why I was the answer is probably it's more work than you think. And it's probably good that it's... Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it yeah, might yeah, be yeah, worth yeah. it. I think there's room. I think that there could be dozens of script. I, maybe dozens would be confusing to the marketplace. But um, but a handful of... Uh, I could easily... There's different target audiences, too. So like you were saying, the uh, SaaS Pegasus, um, that's a particular kind of thing that's, as, as far as I my brief looking at it, it's... um targeting uh, uh, paid uh, subscription-based kind of projects, which not all projects are like that. So your project might not be. So, Yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask you. So you said testing. I mean, he uh, that project has a lot of things in it. Um, it does have you know, a lot of great things. The, test, the payments thing seems to be the one that lets people open up their wallet as opposed to... Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, Carlton. I, I, I'm just like uh, this. <laughs> I, I like the, I like your MBA wisdom as you do the market analysis on this. Oh, oh. God! As I sit in a, a psych ward, co you know, podcasting booth. But anyways, yeah. So anyways, Carlton, how, testing. How, how where where should Brian start? Um, okay, so you should start with Django's test client. So Django in Django.test it has a uh, the module Django.test it has a, a client. And what you can do with that client is you can make a web request to a URL. So you can say get client.get, you know, forward slash homepage, you know, whatever the URL to the path to your homepage is. Um, it might just be just slash. It might be nothing. It might be just, you know, the index page. Um, and then it will simulate the actual request and it will, it will run the, 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 the request through the, the web stack, the request response stack. It will give you back the response, and it will also add a few extra features on the response so you can test things like um, the template context. What, so you can get the HTML, and you can say, did, did the HTML include my header? Or you might not, that might be a bit hard if you're looking for a particular fragment of HTML. So you might say, was this template rendered with this context? So you can get the, which template was rendered, which context was it? What was the status code? What was, um, you know, did it redirect to a, to a login view, for instance? So say you've got an authenticated view and you want to check the authentication works, where you'd make a request to that with an anonymous user and, and assert that it was redirected to your login page, for instance. Um, so so that, you should use the does, test card. And does that go through, does it, does it go, do you have to have a server running or? No, that doesn't. So you can there's all, there's a level up from that. So that's that's the basics. That will do most of your cases where really you're not you don't need the browser behavior. You, it just it talks. It runs the test client will sort of use your Django app internally, so to speak. It will make a okay. request to the Django app and get the response, and you can test the HTML. But that's not the browser behavior. So there's a level up where if you need like you know say you've got some JavaScript on the page and you need to test that the JavaScript actually does function. Then you would need to use a thing called Selenium or or Playwrights, the new the new kid on the block there. I, you know, I don't have much to say about which is better there. A lot of people are liking Playwright, but I don't know if the integrations are as mature. Is all I can say. In Django's test suite, we, we we use Selenium. There are lots of tests, and we use that for testing the admin. So, for instance, in the admin, there's um, JavaScript to add a, a new inline related object in the in the you know, 
you've got the admin, you've got the inline objects, you want to add a new one, there's a bit of JavaScript to do that. Does that work? Well, we have to use a Selenium test for that because it's all JavaScript logic. Um, and that does need, that, that will, when you run that Selenium test, Django will fire up um, a live server. It's called live server test case, and it fires up a live server. It opens a, a Firefox window or whatever your Selenium driver is using. It clicks on the actual buttons as you, as you describe yeah. in the test. And it, it runs it. So you can do that kind of more, um, that's like, I guess they call it fully end-to-end -end testing or something like that. You can do that Selenium testing, but those are, are difficult to write and they're more brittle because every time you change your CSS or, you know, the position of a button moves, sometimes it doesn't, the test breaks and you have to, to fix those. So I would say save those when you need them. But the first port of call is Django's test client. But like a workflow. So let's say I'm, I've got a... Uh, uh, application where um somebody has to log in and it might be like there's different levels of log like permissions and stuff mm -hmm. and i want to think okay i've got a different kind of per person logging in and what what do they have access to does this workflow work uh go th going through some stuff can i do all of that with the test client or do i need to do playwright or something like that Pretty much, you can do most of it with the test client. Like in in most okay. cases, you would do. So I, you know, I'm thinking uh, you, you might have a a view where you start off in the foot, and you might you might just you might test a sort of a view, a post, a form post view in in a kind of couple couple of tests together. You might break them up into separate functions, or you might just go right. First of all, make a get request to the page to load the form. Um, okay. Then make a post request with the data. Then check that you know the, the the object was created. But you can you can authenticate with the test client, so you can give it you know, log in with this particular user. And you can either do that by sending it to the login URL, or it's got a shortcut method where you can kind of say, look, log this user in, and then we'll do the, run the rest of the test. Because, you know, there's a, there's a teeny bit of boilerplate going via the login view and then back to the other view, which you might not want, might not want or need. And then um, I'm assuming, I'm hoping that there's like some, uh, there's enough structure there that we can, if I, I don't want to do a workflow thing. I'm, I'm saying, well, I assume that this kind of a user is already logged in and, there, and there's already data there and stuff. And I want to just test this little thing. Is there like, I'm assuming there's setup stuff you can do to, to like. Yeah. Yeah. So Django, Django ships some, some test cases, which are based on unit tests. So you, you know, normally in your test set, you define a setup function and that's where you do your, your fixtures where you, you populate the database with whatever you want and you, um, you know, you said, so what is it? You, 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 I can't remember the three A's, but you set it up and then you do some actions and then you assert the, um, <laughs> what you're looking for. A range. It's a range. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A range. There you are. Yeah. Yeah. You arrange what you want in, in the test case and then you do some actions and then you assert that it was. And, it, and, um, the Django test case, uh, test cases provide some nice assertions like assert that a query set is equal to or assert that i don't know a warning message was raised or assert re that it that it, uh, a redirect to a certain url or um these right. kind of and, things it's got a lot you know it's quite mature so well. like python uh, django the default test framework is a unit test based thing um well it extends yes. it yeah uh, it extends unit tests okay django right. django's is test client test. extends yeah yeah Whereas uh, I don't think that PyTest, Python extends it. It's just uh, it's just raw unit just testing. Easy. But the um, but the the twenty twenty one developer survey from uh, JetBrains and Django 
um, says that 39%, only 36% of the people use Unitest and 39 use PyTest. Um, yep, yep. You, so you can do that as well. That's because everyone's read your book, right? <laughs> and I, I do highly recommend that book as well. Um, so yeah, you can do that. So there's a there's a, a plugin for PyTest called PyTest Django, which gives you lots, it gives you, for instance, a fixture for the client and it gives you a fixture for, um, I know, the database access. So um PyTest Django will not allow you to access the database unless you tell it, no, 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 here's a, I think there's a marker or a fixture. You can use either. But if you use one of them, it lets you access the database. Um, okay. Whatever. I think there's even a live um, server fixture. So if you want to do these kind of Selenium tests, I believe, I'm not 100% sure, because by preference, I do use um, Django's yeah. test cases. Um, but the, uh, myself, I, but I have used, I've used PyTest plenty and it's, it works just as well. I, that was one of my questions. So I'm glad it works. It works just as well. It probably has similar sort of the similar test cases built in or something, hopefully. Um, well, but, it's the PyTest, the PyTest Django package has got the things that you're looking for when you're migrating away from the Django test cases. Okay. Um, the, but I was just curious if you thought these numbers also were real. Um, because the Django's developer survey is like the people that would might even know that there's a JetBrains based survey out there. Well, there's so there's backstory on the surveys. Um, so this is where this all sounded really incestuous. So Django had a survey like 2015, and then hadn't had one for years. Meanwhile, Python has one, which is very helpful to the community. So one of the things when I got when I got on the Django board in 2020 is I wanted to do the survey. So that was one of the things I worked on was being in charge of that. So hopefully it happens this year in my absence. But um, and we partnered with with JetBrains is you know so we fly we we Django fly blind because we don't track downloads we don't track anything really. How does it being worked? It's what you know the fellows see in the issue tracker. It's what's in the forums and it's what people talk about in the hallways. We know that we're massively blind to a lot of things. So anyway, so the survey was brought about to try to shed some light. Now, we know that a lot more people use Django than take the survey. I think it was something like 8,000 people used it last, took it last year. And this is a communication problem that uh, being on the board Django has. How do people find out about anything about Django? It's like, well, if you go to the Django website, used to be you go to the Twitter account. Like there's no email newsletter for Django. Um, and this is a whole separate discussion Carlton and I have had many times, <laughs> I think even on this podcast, but there's there's definitely a lack of light being shown in terms of how are people actually using Django. I you know, anecdotally the numbers I see in the survey match with what I my impression. Yeah. But, you know, I'm a American, you know, going to Django cons, right? I'm not like there's a there's a, a, a just a whole mass of people out there using Django in their, you know, real world situations who are you i think don't even know that pytest is a thing like they just it's they, they go they download django they're using django django says these are the testing tools they use those well, testing I'm, tools I'm if, if they test that, the tool oh, okay i was um, gonna say i'm just grateful if they test at all um so yeah well yeah that's the thing if they test at all they're probably i would imagine there's a big chunk who aren't filling in the the survey that are just using the django tools but within the developer community i think yeah it probably is represents now, one of the other uh, another question I had was um, early on in reading about Django, and I, I'm not sure if this this has changed. There was a notion of uh, fixtures that were like things that set up the database. Is that still yeah. the term used, or is that still a thing that people do? Or 
It is a thing. Um, so you can you can populate a database, and then you can do this. You've got this command to dump data, where it will dump it as JSON um, files, and then you can load load them again with the load data command. It's quite it, you know it's got you know all sorts of useful uses, um, but you can also specify those those dump data files as fixtures for a test case, and it will it will load them in kind of prior to to you running your Kessler as fixtures. Yeah. I don't think people use that as their first port of call, and I don't really recommend people using that as their first port of call. You're much better off in um, setup in setup or setup class data, which is a, cl- a class method that only runs once rather than once per test. Um, creating the the the, um, the objects you need you know, using the ORM or using factory functions that you've you know okay. written. To, to speed it up, much like a PyTest fixture that you're familiar with, you know, you create the the fixture function that does that creates the objects. You would do the same, but you just instead of having it as a fixture function, which you can't ever find, you'd have it in the um, the test case, sort of just above the test that's tested. And is it is it difficult to like? Let's say I'm I'm uh, getting started with uh, testing my Django application, and but I have a lot. I mean, Django pulls in a lot of stuff. Um, I want. I kind of want to like know if I've covered all all of the the things I've added. Is coverage? Do, do people use coverage? Does it make yeah. sense? Yeah, no, and it works. It, it works really well. Um, yes, there's a there's even a plugin which will help you cover your. I think term, Ned your, maintains. You know, Ned Batchelder who runs coverage. I think he also runs the the um, coverage Django plugin. But that will okay. test that will test coverage of your templates, which is quite good because you might have a little bit of logic in your templates, like a for loop and then an if and then an else branch. And oh, I didn't test the else branch, you know. Okay. Um, I that's I think I mean. Brian for for beginner or people new to Django but who know what they're doing, one of the issues is you don't want to you don't need to test Django, core Django thing. Django comes with all these tests itself. Yeah. So there's how do you know? what is a core Django behavior versus what is something you did, right? So I think sometimes people end up trying to test Django behavior. So generally, Carlton, you're making a face. No, 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 like, no, 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 I was nodding. I was nodding. I was lining up, you know, some... So, I mean, so you said earlier about, you know, test test first and, you know, test-driven development. That's a whole discussion. Carlton and I both uh, come down on the side of kind of write your code and then test it. Or better yet, when something changes or when something breaks, then you add then you add the test so that that's a you know sort of an in between system because anytime so i you know in my books i lead i have tests and i show people how to do this and i'm like even the beginner's book like boom we test we're testing everything when you've changed something then you add a test so just because you see hello world like you know you test does it show hello world you don't need to test that the view got the temp i mean you can but like it's only when it's something new. Like I don't test the admin, for example. Like I don't test that the admin works because it should work. Because unless I've changed it, if I have changed it, which which Django lets you do, then I would run a test to see. Oh, does does this customization uh, work as planned? So it's when you customize something, you want to test it. What do you mean I, by I changing sort of... the admin? Um, so don't don't you doesn't just doing anything change the admin, or do you have to like? Would you mean change how admin works, or well? So you can, yeah, that that's that's a valid point. So you can, there's built-in ways to how you display your your data, whether you want it kind of how you want it listed. You people can and do abuse the admin, so you can kind of use it as a poor man's CMS. Um, or maybe there's valid use cases for it, but when you're so there's 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 changing kind of the the graphical layout of the admin, which Django gives you tools to do. You don't need to test that, but if you're, 
I mean, Carlton, you've seen it used and abused. This is one of the oh. things as a fellow people, people, I mean, there's all sorts of thoughts on the admin and trying to make it be more than the, it is. The official line is that the admin is not your application, right? So use the admin. The admin is a power tool and it's wonderful. And it's one of Django's secret sources and, you know, push it to its limits. But people, when people are like, oh, and can I open it up to the world? No, 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 no. And can I customize this thing? No, just write a custom view. It's going to be much less work to write a custom view than it is to try and force the admin to do this funny thing that it was never designed to do. So there is a sort of, there needs to be a limit to what the admin can do, not, not least for maintainability. Sake. Like, you know. that, that's actually something that, that I, um, the, my, one of my first exposures to Django was an internal project. Um, not at the company I'm at now, pre- previous company that um, was uh, the the user interface essentially was the admin page, at the admin level uh, page, and I was like, I I I don't want to build something like that because that's well well one I'm consider I'm talking about like 20 year old Django probably or 15 year old yeah. Django, um, so it's it, even that's probably better now. Um, than it was 15 years ago, of course. But still, um, if I just want to have somebody enter some stuff, I don't want them to have to go through and look at the data tables and stuff. Um, that's that's too much. Uh, you well, know, there are permi- yeah. there's built there's permissions that the problem is Django lets you kind of do a lot, and you can like you can have super you know you have a super user, and you can have different access, so you can give different people access to the admin yeah. and permissions it up a little bit, and then you know, just you said, it's like, oh, do I really need to build my own custom thing for this when it's kind of working well? Like, you know, at some point, yeah, you do. That That's kind of how it plays out, right? Like, it's just me. It's me and Carlton. Oh, now we're a team of 10. There's some non-technical people. We really want them to be able to, like, answer customer support. So we have set on permissions so they can't touch this, but they can enter this. But they're still, like, yeah. that's when you get into trouble. Or you start, like, saying, hey, the admin's slow because I'm trying to view, like, a million records within the admin. I mean, there's multiple DjangoCon talks about you know, using and abusing the the admin. So it's a very natural progression. I mean, I, I, I probably abuse it too a little bit, but it's more like, in, yeah, it's easy. It, yeah, it happens, but you should avoid it. So if if I'm, so Django's big and my application, if I do a relatively simple application, I'm changing just a little bit. I'm like using all this stuff and I'm not really changing how Django works. I'm just um, building a website. Um, so the, I'm assuming my my approach probably would be test the thing like the end user experience. Um, the okay. the somebody goes to this page and is that is that when you said that that's is that testing the views at that point or yeah or is, okay yeah. or the models yeah, yeah. Or? So, well so the what does the view do the view is like the controller in the old MVC thing it, it get it go, the request comes into the view and the view's job is to turn that request into a response. Okay, so in okay. order to do that, it, it probably goes to the ORM and it says, can I have some, some, some records from the database? And then it grabs a template from the file system and it puts the two together and it creates a, um, um, it, it creates a response. Yeah, so test, what do you want to test? You want to test, well, does that load? So, you, you know, for any, if you've created a, a nice view, create a, a test which is, that hits it and checks that it returns 200 and maybe that the template was correctly rendered or something, you know, that, so that it, okay. it, it, it works. Because one day you'll, I don't know, you'll do something and then you'll just break that view. And that you've got just that test that checked the 200, that it, that it returned an okay response, will tell you that you broke something. Now, yeah. you know, if, 
if your view has complex logic and it it might return a 404. So if, you know, so if you go to somebody else's repo on GitHub, it goes 404. It just you know, if you haven't got the permission for it, if it's a private repo, it just says 404. It doesn't exist. So lots of URLs are like that, where if if you've got permission to access the the object, it will show you the response 200 and render the template. But if you haven't got permission, it will just say, oh, it didn't exist, or it will redirect you, or it will say 403, like forbid, forbidden. So those kind of different responses that you might get, they're worth testing. And then they're quite high level. They're quite, they're almost integration test level rather than yeah. unit test level. But you can sprinkle those around and they give you quite a lot of coverage and quite a lot of sort of um, juice for your money, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. um, and they're quite easy to write. Um, anyway, go on, Will. Well, I think it's, yeah, I was going to say, because I've, I mean, like you, a book author, I've thought about how to present this to people. Because I think tests in the Django context, people have no idea where to start, in part because they don't understand how the web works, how Django works, let alone how do I test it. So it's just a lot of confusion. Yeah. But you kind of write the same tests over and over and over again. Like tests are super confusing until they're incredibly boring to the point where like we've like chat GPT and all this stuff, like throwing that at like, what should I test would be a great use case, actually, because a lot of times you're writing the same tests over and over and over again. Um, and so I was, for, you know, for you, for someone who's like, what test do I write? Well, you can look at open source projects. Like if you go to the awesome Django repo, there's a, a list of some, see how they do it. You can, if you type in like Django testing tutorial, you'll probably see like Django has docs, Mozilla has one, and then I have one that kind of gives you 80% of all you'll ever need. Um, like in my books, I show you how to do it. But I mean, if you're doing CRUD and you're doing forms, you're really, you're like test, as Carlton said, testing the model, testing the view, testing the template, testing the URL. Does it return what I want? Does it not return what's not expected? And you just kind of do that ad infinitum um, at a certain point. <laughs> so just like find an example of something like it, if it's CRUD form stuff, which, you know, 90, whatever percent of, of the web is, you're kind of writing the same test over and over and over again. Well, one of the things right, that... Carlton? To a certain extent. I mean, you know, it, it depends. And then when you have logic, it de- you know, at a base level, as your logic becomes more complex, yes, then then things change and, you know, you want to test that out. But if you're just kind of the the basics of like, does this page display the information I think it does in the way I think it does? Like, it's kind of the same thing over and over again. Well, I'm, I'm going to take that as a challenge then because I don't like to write the same thing over and over again. Okay, but then you get to a, 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 another level of Django where you, for instance, you're, into, um, you're dealing with the ORM. And so what people quite often do will um, embed domain logic into manager methods or me- methods on the ORM themselves okay. so for instance um you know i will quite often say i've got a project a, a project model and i don't it's a list of projects and i users are only limited to which projects they'll they can access you know via an organization or via a team or you know maybe they're the owner and so on the project model on the, the what's called the manager which is the objects bit in Django, you know project or objects dot filter is the orm api but that manager i'll add a method called for user and then I can pass in the current user. And then you're writing more of a unit test type of approach where you literally, you've created a few instances, assign some of them to the user, create some for a different user, filter the, the query set and make sure only the user's um, uh, uh, projects are returned. Okay. That kind of thing is, is embedding your domain logic, right? You're, you're checking that that works. And then that, that manager you'll then use in your view. And you don't necessarily need to test again. The, 
that it was correctly filtered because you know that the base query set was filtered to that you to the request user for instance um just as an example yeah we should also say you um as a guest and you know to get some free help adam johnson who's on the the tech the technical board of django has written two books one of which is speed up your django tests which i think addresses more of the concerns you have like that's a more i would say intermediate advanced level book on testing and he certainly knows his stuff <laughs> so um you know you yeah. could do an hour on like how do you not write the same test twice with him and i wanted to ask i wanted to, to, to ask you brian though so you would you are you going to be using pytest because you're, you're the expert on PyTest, so will you be using PyTest for your for, for testing your project? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, okay, I'm planning on it. Yes. Okay, so so I have a, a real question about PyTest, and uh, you're the expert, and I really want to ask this. It's about managing fixtures because in the in the unit test world, the the, the fixtures go the the arrange goes in the the setup method of yeah. the test case cast and it's right next to it in pytest they do the dependency injection thing where they just, sort of the fixtures live somewhere else and then they, they get injected and one thing i found as projects scale is that it becomes increasingly hard to track down where the fixtures come from so do you have any kind of advice for you know managing your fixtures to keep them maintainable to keep them trackable because I, I end up at the point where i'm like right clicking in the ide and then the, to go to definition and i'm like please take me to the right place because i'm just not sure you know as it scales up only if you've got i'm not i'm not a pi test you know i use it but i'm not like a pi test aficionado by choice i'll use the unit test method so i'm asking well one of the things that i used to complain about uh so there's the there's a couple ways you can do it well the the most obvious way now is the dash dash fixtures command line flag so if you if you run in like either as a whole you can run uh, if you run all your test suites, but if you just run run as if you were going to run all the test suites, like or your particular test, and add the dash dash fixtures uh, command line, it tells you all the fixtures that are available and where they're defined. Um, okay, that's quite cool. Um, it used to be a very a fairly quick list. It still is. Um, but but you could get more information if you did dash dash fixtures with like uh, verbose like dash v also. Mm -hmm. But um, and the verbose used to be the only way you could get the actual file name and line number where it's defined. And now by default, it gives you the file name and line number. So um, it's really not hard to find them. But I also you don't have to put them somewhere else. Uh, like no, well, you can put them right in the test file mm -hmm. if you don't want to go hunt for them. Don't put them somewhere else. You can put them right there. So they're either they're either in the test file or they're in a conf test file somewhere. Yeah, but uh, yeah, okay. I mean, because one thing I've I did I have done is use test classes in the like arrange my tests in test classes to keep them grouped together, and it's something that I'm used to. And then use the pytest runner, you yeah. know, and it all works the same and it works perfectly. Um, and then I get I, I sometimes feel a bit embarrassed as if I'm doing it wrong or something because people. I, I mean, I, 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 there's a lot of fixtures that I write that are only for one test, uh, yeah, because okay. I, because I want them, I want the setup to be obvious that it's not part of the test. The, the other thing that you get is if a failure, you can assert within your fixture. Um, and if an assert fails or any, any, uh, with PyTest, any exception causes a failure, but if it's in a fixture, 
any exception, uncaught exception causes an error. So that distinction between error and failure is did my did the the thing that will go wrong happen in the setup or did it go happen in the test itself? Uh, that's quite a little. That's a good, good one. So would you would you kind of recommend not not um, not over committing to being super dry and that you reuse a fixture every? Would you rewrite a fixture? Would you like? So say you've got the same. You know you you um, different tests, different places in your project. You you need a project fixture. Would you would you be tempted to rewrite the project fixture closer to where it's being used to avoid uh, a bit of confusion? No, I, I I'll put it wherever wherever at some central point. So you can have a conf test file at all at any directory um, or multiple ones. You can only have one pytest any file, but you can have multiple conf test files. And okay. the and the conf test can it can go all the way up. And the cool thing is you can start out at a file level and then maybe move it to a directory level if you want to share it between tests. And then maybe you can move it up a directory. But the tests don't have to be rewritten. Um, the the you just move where you've defined the fixture. It's it's not. Um, it doesn't have to be the test. I love that you don't have to rewrite the tests with unit tests. You have to you have to yes. change the code yeah. if you if do, yeah. if you decide you want this fixture that fix, fixture logic to be at the at the file level or a class level. That's a di- completely different thing. Actually. You only have class and function level, right? Um, I think there's yeah, but you might you might move it to a shared module or to you know yeah. Something, something like but that. the um, uh, the other thing I like is you can change the scoping of it. I mean, so you can say uh, like reset the database to be a completely clean, absolutely no changes in it, but that might be too time consuming at the around every function. So you could broaden it up and say, "I want this to only happen at the beginning of the session," and and then if you if you've gotten bugs all over the place, you can go, "Well, that was a mistake," and you can uh, dial that down to like a module level or something. Um, and the okay. test does the test still doesn't know about it. The test just says it gets the fixture stuff. The other thing I really like about fixtures is that the setup and teardown are in the same file or in the same function. Um, they're just they're just divided by a yield keyword whereas in unit test you've got the setup and teardown completely separated into two different functions yeah um, yeah no interesting yeah you're good so it's you so the issue there is just i think the answer to my question is is just hi, maintain hygiene you know because i've been on projects where i've been a bit like ah where's that where are these where's this fixture where's that fixture and i think it was just got a bit messy over time it's all um uh both uh the but it's gotten really a lot better even just recently like vs code just recently implemented in the last few months implemented uh the ability to just uh right click on a fixture and go to the definition um yeah and and then also um being able to uh do type hints in it so if they're, they're well type hinted um uh like vs code and pycharm will also like do com- code completion for you uh with your the returned object um so um but i'm i'm looking i probably will get you guys back on because i'm so i've got this project that i haven't written any tests for because i haven't actually have a yeah don't have any running code for it yet but um but i I'll, it'll be interesting uh interesting progression to build this thing up and find out like um how i feel about the Django, Django testing environment 
and I'm 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 somebody that likes shiny new tools. So I'm sure I'm going to try out like the Django Test Plus. I mean, it's got a plus in it. It's got to be good. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, and I've heard people talk about Factory Boy. I'll probably like try that out and all these sorts of WYSIWYG, not WYSIWYG, but WYSBANG features things that. But I also don't like too many things because. Why pull in a, a dependency? You kind of mentioned all. I mean, there's not that many. Like there, right? Are there other other? I mean, there's like maybe one or two other big ones, but there's not a million commonly used third party things with Django. But there's probably a million uncommonly used ones. So it's. Uh, <laughs> but are they? But why are they? Why are they uncommon though? Right? Why are they uncommon? I don't know. People don't have their own podcast to plug them on. Uh, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) one thing i will say is you can use django which i think with django um with pytest django with the plugin you can use django's test cases just with the pytest runner and it just works and so you you know you can experiment writing your test in the django way and then you can mix in fixtures and you can mix in plain asserts because one thing i really love about pytest is just being able to use plain asserts rather than self.assert and now what was it again because yeah. you know so many different asserts it can be hard to remember but there's stuff that like you can't it's going to be hard to write as an assert so some of the helper functions are helpful especially around django to say like well assert that the user's logged in or something i don't you know mm-hmm. I, it might be easier as an assert a helper function than it is as code yes um, yeah. yeah well what you're what you're verbalizing is very common in that I want to try out all the things, but like, where do I even start? Because you know, Django has third-party ecosystem, which is a huge strength. And you can go to djangopackages.org and see however many thousands and thousands there are. But like, which ones do you want to use first, right? So if you went to the testing section, there's a lot. Um, so there is a, a curated list. And again, I'm plugging my own stuff again here, but it's called Awesome Django that uh, I run with actually the person who runs Django Packages now uh, that has... A list of you know how how many is it you know a dozen right with this idea of trying to say okay well those of us in the community there are some packages that have been around for a little while have a certain number of stars that are maybe a a good first place to look rather than just what's new and shiny um, because that is you know and there's also things like there's a Django newsletter and and stuff to try to both expose people to new things but also remind people of existing things that are plugging along like like Django debug toolbar for example like that's a yeah. package that is you know I just did a post on like what do I think are the top like I think I said 10 packages third party packages you'd use like there's a whole discussion of this I think everyone's got that probably top 5 but who maintains it and who uses it like someone started it and then there's this group called Jazzband like so the maintainability and the fact that yeah um positive things are still just like Django itself like there's a tremendous amount of stuff in the most recent release of Django 4.2 and yet from the outside people say oh Django's kind of just Django like right like I don't know if you had that with your books I mean you're on, you're on the second edition I'm on like the 7th edition and I basically rewrite them all from scratch and I'm like it's so much better but like everyone's like oh it's just still there right so like it's hard to get people to appreciate like you know just being still around is a huge sign of success generally for for a code repo, for a book, for a project. Yeah, um, but it doesn't seem like that maybe unless you've maintained one yourself. Well, so the second edition of uh, the Pytest book wasn't really because the Pytest changed too much. I mean, it, it had changed, so I I did add new things, but it was more around the teaching. So the uh, I I didn't I didn't feel that the first edition 
was the the appropriate ramp of difficulty. And so I the the main impetus for rewriting it was I'd like to start people out with the real basics and then introduce fixtures, try to do it gradually. I think I but as a little bit more abrupt than maybe I should be. But um but that's fixtures coming in chapter three. And then just gradually add on complexity so that by the end they're pretty much, I mean, if you really understand the whole PyTest book, I think you're a PyTest expert at that point. Uh, I'm not teaching 100% of PyTest, but it's it's the 80% that, or the 50%, 60% that 80% of the people need every day. Um, and then some extra fun stuff. Like, I really want people to write plugins more um, because it's a great way to, and uh, packages. It's just a packaging packaging extensions. Uh, because that's how they should be sharing code. Um, even with inter- even if I don't do a PyPI package internal to a company, people should be sharing their fixtures with the plugin packaging system because it's there. Why not? Um, but I do, I see people trying to share, like trying to share fixtures between projects in some wacky way, and I'm like, there's a built-in mechanism. Just do that. Um, so uh, that might seem like a fancy thing, but you get into companies. And people have those needs, even if they're not writing their own open source project. So yeah, and if you uh, if you're the person who knows that, then as well, then that's valuable too. But the um, uh, we're kind of getting long, but I I oh. do want to come back because at some point because there's a lot here. the The final thing is I want I'm guessing I don't want to spend eighty percent of my time testing or thinking about testing. I want to probably spend eighty to ninety percent thinking about my problem. And I only want to spend like 10 or 20% in the test thought process. Does that jive with how I can develop Django or do I need to skew those percentages? I'd say that's fine. Like, yeah, like, like, so you, you'd mentioned about testing first, right? So when you're developing your, your sort of domain bits inside the view, the bits that are going to go into the, the view layer and they're going to be like the view layer is going to call out to those to do, do its job. Then you know, you can do test-driven development and you can write nice little tight, tight unit tests for those and you can build them as you go. And that's that's where you're having the fun. But the actual testing around the outside, Django's well-tested, it works. You can lay down these simple endpoint tests that we've talked about and they will give you confidence, but they're not, they're quick to write and they're not difficult and okay. they give you a lot of yeah. coverage for not much. So effort. people shouldn't be scared to try testing Django's projects. Um, this isn't, no. No. no, okay. Good. I mean, right I, in my in my right one, I put yeah, I I put it like I don't think I put it in the hello world, but I put it on like the second project that you do. You know, I mean, it's like like you know, and again, not to, I, I'll give you a copy. Like you just peek at my book, just flip to the testing sections. But okay. like I show how to test like a basic thing, how to test a crud, how to test something custom. That kind of gives you eighty percent of what you're going to use in a normal setting. Okay. When- a colleague of mine when I was a junior um, was very keen, a senior colleague was very keen on writing tests. And I was like, oh, you always write the test. He's like, well, if I don't write the test, I have to click it in a browser. Yeah. Like, like so just write the little <laughs> endpoint test. And he was like, no, just say it's quicker than writing it in a, clicking it in the browser every time I make an update. Just, yeah, I've got a test. I know it works. And as long I can keep coding as long as I don't break that test. And then, yeah, once or twice, I'll check it in the browser. 
Well, um, we didn't even talk about CI at all in this conversation, you know, all that. Yes, yeah, so. So we'll have to get back into that, hooking up CI and everything. Um, I wanted, Just GitHub Actions. I want to clear my name, though, uh, because I was disparaged earlier. Um, uh, <laughs> it's just a little bit. I'm joking. Um, is I think of I think of testing first um, when I'm thinking about coding, but I don't always write the test first. Yeah, yeah, I okay. I just want to make sure that test the idea of how am I going to make sure it works is in my mind while I'm coding. Um, that's that's my advice I give people is um, just think about how I'm, how how am I going to verify that this works. Um, you can do it afterwards, but just make sure you verify it. That's one of the things I like about coverage because um, if I forget. I can run coverage and go, oh, I didn't even cover, I didn't run, I don't test that at all. So, but that's yeah. good. Um, I enjoy, so you're, you're, how do I find the podcast, you guys? It's Django Chat. So we're DjangoChat.com. Okay. And yours is, what's, what's testing code? Uh, test, I think it's testingcode.com. The and is spelled out. So, okay. And there you code. go. Yeah. Well, yeah, we should, we should do this again in the fall when you, you have a little more experience. Uh, yeah. getting your hands dirty and i'm glad i'm so glad i just as a side note carlton has been mentioning that question around fixtures and pie tests for like years so finally like i i saw him nodding so some something new to think about on this issue because people have raised pie tests and that's always been the bugaboo that you, you were burned in some corporate projects on it and so and i can't help you out on it so yeah well i mean people the the, the pros in your team learned it when there was no dash dash fixtures would that would give yeah, you no i'm gonna give that a go i didn't i didn't yeah. know about this so i'm gonna go and pick, pull out a pytest project and give that a go right now okay well um uh so fun talking with both of you and i wish you all luck and yeah. um i'm gonna go get some coffee and wake up they, they had me w- wake up at five in the morning to do this can you believe that <laughs> that's what it that's well, what it takes well and i'll just end with we are also taking we're taking a little bit of a break until the fall we might slip in a special episode but um We'll be back. We'll be doing repeat episodes, but Carlton's not saying no. So <laughs> this is our last one for a little bit. All right. So well, I just want to slide that in. So. Uh, good yes. to talk to both of you. Thanks for coming Bye. on, Jim. Bye. Okay. Thanks, Bye. Brian. Okay. Bye.